I'm Andy Clark. And I am Brian McCulloch. And this is That Time I Got Dropped. All right, Brian, tell us about yourself. Where are you from and, and when did you fall in love with bikes? I lo I've loved two wheels as long as I can remember, but um, I kind of cut my teeth racing motorcycles and uh, eventually was racing uh, AMA Pro Motocross and Supercross professionally. And um, yeah, eventually, you know, everyone starts training motorcycle or uh, mo uh, road yeah. or mountain. So back in the day, Johnny O'Mara, guy from here now, oh, yeah. is uh, like everyone knew him and how he trained and yeah. whatever. And it was just big uh, MTB stuff. And so a bunch of us got um, road bikes and we started doing it and whatever, whatnot. So again, like, you know, I started with literally cotton t-shirt that I cut the sleeves off no and like, yeah, like cargo shorts, just riding around making motorcycle noises like a goon, like, nice. you know, not even understanding roadie culture. So and, what was the roadie culture like back then? Uh, you know, I grew, uh, when I eventually moved to Southern California, I, I landed in this place, Redlands, which has a really rich cycling culture. I'm yeah. really, actually really proud to be a part of it. Um, there was, there was a, a big bike shop there. Um, Cycle USA is a really well-known bike shop. They've been, I mean, the guy who owns it is in the um, BMX Hall of Fame. What's his name? Is it Craig Kundig. All right. And so anyway, um, long story short is like, they're just crazy big on bikes and they've always had race teams. And there's this other guy, Scott, um, Scott McAfee, who has a shop there who's crazy right. into bikes. And so long story short, like they're crazy about bikes. And so I was just this goon motorcycle rider that showed up on a group ride one day and they're like, you need to race bikes, buddy. So, like, I always tell my wife, I'm stoked that we live in California and not, like, back in the Midwest or South because uh, I was a bit of an outsider when I was a kid because I was riding bikes and I was speed skating. Speed skating? Uh, yeah, yeah, roller yeah. speed skating. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it, it's cool that in California, my kids, if they choose to do something that's, quote, unquote, not a mainstream sport, they won't feel like an outsider, but right. like it's, it was probably so long ago. Did you feel like an outsider? Did you feel mainstream? Definitely wasn't mainstream, but you know, yeah. I was into dirt bikes and dirt, you know, I grew up in Northern California, right? Okay. And so in Northern California, like dirt bikes are like not cool. Like no one's like, yeah. oh man, you're a dirt bike rider. Yeah. Like, but down here, it's like, oh, it was a big deal. Yeah, so cool. when I came down here, it was like, oh, you're a cool guy now. But like growing up in Northern California, we were not the cool kids. No. Right. No. And, and I, in high school, I was a woodshop kid. So it was like, you know, I didn't, I was never one of the popular kids. So getting into road cycling was like pretty normal. But what I loved about it was that it was like, you could just work hard and it was kind of like work in results out. It yeah. was a very simple equation yeah. and it was beautiful, right? It was yeah. like motorcycling had this big element of the equipment that right. you had to have. Um, you know, whether your motorcycle was fast or, you know, what sponsorship you had and et cetera, et cetera. Road was like, dude, if you just wanted to suffer and you didn't mind going hard and being in the pain cave, like yeah. dig it a little deeper each time you're in there. Yeah. Like That's it awesome. was great. And so I just, I fell in love with it and here we are. You so know? when was your first road ride? You remember? <sighs> well, first road ride. Well, first, was... first like big club, you know. Oh yeah. Oh, dude, Saturday I... morning. Hey. Whatever. I went on this ride. It was called the Riverside uh, Riverside Bike Club. Yeah. Okay. And I went. I rode next to this guy that they called Santa Claus. Okay. And so you can just imagine. Right. He's this big dude. Okay? Oh really? He's got a massive, massive, pure white beard. Yeah. Okay. And we went down this like 
at the time I was like, oh, we're going down to downhill, but it was like 3% downhill. It's not even downhill, right. right? And he was telling me how important it was to keep your feet level so you could be as aero as possible, right? Right. And I was like, that was my first group ride experience. And I was just so hungry. I was like a sponge. I was so hungry for it. Yeah. I was like, okay, Santa Claus, like whatever, dude, like no problem. I just like, and we're doing like 23 miles an hour down this downhill. Yeah, and I'm like yeah, yeah. level feet, you know? Nice. So anyway. So we, from that day to racing, like what was the, what was the timeline? What, what happened next? Uh, probably less than a year yeah. really yeah because yeah. it turns out you know they're like cycling is just an eclectic group right like there turned out that like almost on the same route on the same day just half an hour different there was a race ride mm-hmm. i go on the race ride start smashing it up on the race ride with the guys and like you know there's like you know road culture is like there's yeah. an established thing you have to work hard for your reputation i didn't understand it at the time because right. you think it's very standoffish but in reality, if someone makes a mistake at high speed, yeah. someone can get hurt. So, yeah. like, if Very I make easily. a mistake, you would pay the price. Yep. So, I didn't understand that in the moment. I was like, guys, I just want to pull through. Like, whatever, what is or it going to take? Jerks, yeah. Right? Why are you guys, yeah, why are you guys being so gruff? Yeah. Right? But it, it helped me because I, I became, you know, eventually you just keep showing up and showing up and showing up. Eventually they're like, the kid's it's, trustworthy. It's, it's the like kid's a merit. It's almost like a meritocracy. Like yeah. you have to kind of earn your way into the trust of the other riders. Oh, hands down, yeah, hands down. I mean, sure. and obviously there's pros and cons to it. But like at that time, I was so hungry. I didn't care. Like I was like, guys, yep. you can just kick me all you want, and I'll just keep coming back because yeah. I'm I'm hungry. Did you did you figure out that you were better at one thing than the other, or? <sighs> it was different because like you know, I mean, again, the 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 the, the road scene is so. Most of the guys are 30 plus, 35 plus. These guys were all guys that had like ridden the Redlands Bicycle Classic multiple times, yeah. been on teams, been on proteins, yeah. been on Jelly Belly, whatever. Wow. And I didn't know any of that stuff, right? That's they were just there. And I was just like, well, no one's pulling through. I might as well pull through. Like, so what? I have to suffer a bit. Right. So what? Drop me. I'll come back. And That's a, cool. uh, that's a, that's a badass group. Yeah. Yeah. No, they yeah. were good. They yeah. were good. And so anyway, we just learned from that. And then eventually they were like okay, we can't keep this kid out, so we might as well right. teach him how to do it right. And yeah. then, like, eventually they taught me how to do it right, and, you know, here we are. So you went pro at some point. You yes. did How many, so it was, it was your first road ride. A year later, you're in the, sort of, in the racing. You're a Cat 4, oh, cat, cat 3, five, yeah. Cat 5. It's, what, a couple of more years? Is it a year? Was it a pretty fast journey for you? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, there was a hesitation when I became a cat three. So it's yep. really fast up to cat three. Right. But I had this really, I, it was an absolute blessing at the time. These guys from Redlands took me under their wing. Right. And they were like, dude, we're going to teach you how to race bikes. Okay. And they were like, first off, you're going to watch the Tour de France because it's a national holiday. You're going to watch it every day. Yeah. And you're going to watch it from start to finish. And nice. So I'm like, I was single guy. So I'm like, oh, whatever. So we'll just do this. So we learned, I learned by video study and then... They would, we would go to the races together and we worked together. And these guys were cat fours. And oh, then amazing. eventually we all worked together to be cat threes. And then I got my two, uh, I had all the points for my two upgrade. Right. Right. But I had built this like tremendous bond with these dudes. Right. And they're still my buddies today. Like they That's were all cool. in my wedding. They were all, we, we talked to them all the time. Um, in fact, one of the guy's daughters babysits my son, oh, right? Like right. we're still super tight. So anyway, long story short, we just, I stayed for an extra year, an extra season as a cat three to help them get their upgrades, oh, killer. right? And it made such a big difference because I learned how to race. Cause what happens if, you know, for those people who are, who know, if you're right. in, if you're a category three and then you have to go race as a two, well, the way you get points as a two is you have to beat ones. Yep. So if you don't know how to bridge that gap, 
you're you're fighting so far below your your capacity yeah. right so i just yeah. i worked and i worked and i i had a great coach at the time neil shirley a dear friend of mine and he was like oh, dude yeah yeah neil shirley from yeah, Indy, right yeah. like, dude he coached me for like 10 years um but anyway dude he's strong. yeah dude he's a legend all right so you're you're riding with neil and neil's a guy who is just like the king of this ride that some of us have heard of some of us haven't called the belgian waffle ride which kind of brings us full circle to why we're sitting in this canyon on a hot summer day talking to you. Um, how did you discover BWR? What was your journey from, you know, working for your buddies to become a Cat 2 to, you know, let's face it, winning BWR in 2018? Yeah, yeah, it was, it's just kind of, it's totally, you know, they say it's like who you know, it's not, it's not what you know, it's who you know, right? Well, Neil was a fantastic coach and just a good friend and he at that time was transitioning out of pro road cycling and he was working at Road Bike Action, right. and he was just like, I mean, the gravel scene was just getting started. I mean, yeah. he had all these custom stuff, and he had all these connections with, um, you know, various uh, equipment suppliers that wanted to, like, do cutting-edge stuff. And so he put on this little event. He himself put on this little event and was like, hey, maybe a couple of people will come. And I'm like, I'm a glutton for punishment. And, like, yeah. I'm one of your athletes. I get to ride with my coach. Like, Sign I'm there. How much do I got to pay? Sign me right? up. Right? Sign me up. So um, anyway, that was my first gravel race. I did it on tubes, flatted, just, just, right. just it was a bad experience all yeah. the way through. At the time, I was racing for um, Elevate KHS. Well, at the time, we were KHS Maxis Pro Cycling. Oh, well, and that was probably, what, 2014? 14, 14 so 15, something like that. Tubeless wasn't anywhere near what it is today. There no, There was no such thing close. as a gravel bike. Yeah, we were on cross bikes with, like, 32s, and yeah. it was, like, not and good. And tubes. Yeah, oh, right? yeah, all yeah, of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was filling them with slime. You know what I mean? It was yeah, like yeah. I was like cutting the top of them, unscrewing them. Put, put, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a bad deal. Bad yeah. Deal, bad so deal, bad deal. fast forward to 2018. Yeah. Right. Uh, t tell me about that year and, and and how things were going before you you got there because gravel had kind of become a thing by then, right? Yeah. 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 It was. I'll start with 2017 because that was the first year I did the Belgian okay. waffle ride, yep. and I'd done a couple of of rides and I just wanted to get into it and I didn't get. Um, in 20 select, 2017, I didn't get selected for the Tour of the Healer team. And so it's always, okay. you know, Neil was always like, I wish you could do this Belgian waffle ride thing with me, but you got to go to the Tour of Gila. Right. Right. And like, I'm no climber, you know, no surprise, you know, yeah. spoiler alert, I'm no climber. Right. And so I didn't get selected that year um, for the team. And I was just real, I was really bummed. I was yeah. really bummed. So yeah. I went to Belgian waffle ride. I can't tell you, like Michael Marks and Phil Tinsman and those guys were like, you want to come? Come on, buddy. We'll nice. make room for you. And it was nice. super cool because they like were like, hey, bro, you just come. And I was like, cool. I don't know what to expect. I'm just going to ride hard and see what happens. I ended yeah. up like breaking my hand and like <laughs> crashing super hard in the lead group. It was funny. What was your, what were you riding? What was the equipment you were I was just riding a stock road bike. Stock rim, road bike. Rim brakes, 23 like tubes. No tubeless? No. Oh, no, my dude. God. No, rim brake. Uh, carbon, like I literally raced a crit on them the week before. Oh, gosh. Like I think I had just brand new 25s. Do you like shake your head at that guy? Like what the heck? What were you? Oh thinking? no no. What I shake my head at is that like that year I think. Um, oh darn it! Who won it? He rode for rally. He was on a cyclocross bike. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I was like trying to keep up with him on a downhill because I'm like, well, I was a dirt bike rider. Like send it. And uh, you, you got I ate it hard, like full on dirt. bang, like oh. your shoulder was ripped apart, broke my hand. I finished, which yeah. was great. Um, Cause you know, when you're racing dirt bikes, like you, there's nothing else out there but you and everybody yeah. invests so much in you in dirt bike riding that once oh, yeah. it's you, the pilot, you can't let anybody down. You got to step up, yeah. right? And so I bring that to, to the road and like, 
you know, I know road culture sometimes like, oh, I did my job for the team and I quit, right? But like, I'm going to the line all the time, Nice. right? And so anyway, long Good story short is I finished the race and I ended up passing uh, Phil Tinsman, um, who had an incredible ride that year, right. but I ended up passing him with like three miles to go. And I was oh, like, man. PT, how you doing, bro? And he was wearing this black kit, poor guy. So salty that day. Oh, no. So salty. And he was just like, who is this cheese ball? Right. You know? And so anyway, so the next year, it was funny because Phil's like, Phil called me the week before the race and he's like, you're my choice. I think you're going to win it. And no I was way. like, bro, I'm not even like, nah, I'm just right? like, I did, you know, of course I'd done the tour of Taiwan that year and all the stuff. So it was like, I was in good, good up, I was in good shape, up. but I mean, Ted King was going to be there, bro. Like that dude's. He was like the king of gravel at that moment. That was like dude, his year. He's still legit. All dude, the Grasshopper series, like the Dirty Kanza, I think he won that yes. year. Like he yes. Was, he was he was the thing, and I, I'll be honest, like I had ridden with him, I'd met him. Yeah. I was rooting for him. Why like, wouldn't you, dude? He's the dude. He, he was like the, the odds-on favorite. Right? I was rooting for him. Right? <laughs> I was like, dude, this guy. Is... So right. what was the equipment? What were you on? Uh, I was year? on, okay, so I was on Elevate. Uh, Webby Plex Pro Cycling. Okay. So we were on KHS bicycles. Right. And I was on a f- standard flight 900. Nothing special. It was literally my race bike. It's just a road bike. It right? was just a road bike. Yeah. Uh, just regular rim brakes. Plant rim brakes. Not right. even direct mount. Okay. Um. And I had here's here's the inside line though. Okay. I had I somehow I can't remember. I got I had bought like this pair of Shimano training wheels for my wife. Yep. And so I called, yeah, and they had the sealed rim thing. So anyway, I called my buddy, Justin Dillon, who was my first mechanic on uh, KHS. Okay. He works at Shimano and he was like, dude, run this 50 PSI. And I was like, no way, dude. You're like, I'm going to flat these things. There's no way. And a hundred percent 50, 50 PSI. So Justin Dillon, like. The was man. the man. Which tires were they? Were they 20? They, they were 28s. 28s? Yeah. Okay, so that's a that's a little bit of an improvement. Yeah, a little bit of improvement. Did you stay rubber side down the whole day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, I was, everything was really good. Yeah, my wife, Joy, she's always like, because, you know, I can't help the the, the the motocross racer in me, and I just I love to go fast on the dirt. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, you, she's like, she grabbed me. She's like, yeah. you cannot go into the dirt sections first. Not till the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. And I was like but I just want to go fast, you know? Fast forward again to your reigning champ 2018. Yes. 2019's coming up. Yes. Honestly, dude, I'm rooting for you in 2019. That's humbling. That's humbling. Because you had come to Temecula and you had ridden with Gil and Layton and you're training a bunch of the guys I know. Yeah, Yeah. my dudes. Yeah, your dudes. And I took a couple of pulls with you at the front. We got talked to you, got to know you. And like, couldn't have been more humble, more down to earth. I was like, there's no way this is the guy that just, you know, out sprinted everybody at BWR last year. So I was totally rooting for you. I didn't ride it that year, but I was watching the footage mm-hmm. and something happened. Yeah. Happened right here. Yeah. Right over there. Yeah. Right over there. Yeah. Right over there. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to ride over there. Yeah. And we're going to continue the interview up there. And I'm asking you a few more questions about what happened. Okay. All right. Let's suit up and go. Yeah. Great. So, coming into uh, 2019, seeing who was coming, yeah. What uh, what you think? Oh, I mean, when you see Peter Stetton is going to be there, I mean, just everybody. He was the talk of the town, you know, still is. Yeah. But um, so yeah, that was that was. Hey, I just knew I needed to be my best, and I thought that my best wasn't going to be. I need to find more. I need to go for another, you know. Two, three, four, five percent, and 
that's what got me into trouble. How's that? Was it like, like training or on the course? Yeah, on the, just training wise. Yep. I thought, oh, you know what? I'll do more motor pacing. I'll do more intensity. Yeah. I'll keep the mileage up. I was always a big miles guy, still am. Yep. I love I love riding, and so I ride a lot. But um, really, that's what it kind of turned out to be, is that I was going to uh, try and not just get back to where I was, but be even better. And yeah. that proved to be my undoing. So overtraining is, is for real. Yeah, you know, and I've always been such a big proponent of having a coach. I've had a coach my whole career and uh, you know my wife was coaching me. I'm a very, she likes to say I'm hashtag uncoachable. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I just, I was, I was nervous. I was nervous for a lot of reasons because I've never really been a champion. Yeah. Well, I can't say I never really, I've never actually been like, I've always been a domestique, you know? Yeah. And so the goal was like, now I had all this pressure and a lot of it was self-imposed, but you know, the rest of that too. Right. Um, that comes along with it and I caved, right? Like I just went too far. I didn't listen to my body. I, you know, wouldn't listen to my wife and the five people that were in my corner yep. to tell me to, that I could do it, you know? Yep. So what were you feeling? What were you feeling when the gun went off that day? Oh, I was super nervous, of course. Yeah. I was, I was super nervous. Um, Again, Michael Marks and Phil Tinsman, those guys were like, they gave me the number one plate, and yeah, it was really cool. I'd never had one of those before, and I still have it, of course, but yeah, yeah so there was a lot of pressure, and at the time, my wife was uh, seven months pregnant oh, with no our way. son. Yeah, so it was like, it was just this whirlwind of like, we just had a lot going on. You know, we have a coaching business, and so yeah. business is, was, was good, and we're very thankful for that, and we're lucky for that. Um, but business was crazy. Training, I was overtrained. My wife didn't know how to deal with this like nut job, anxiety-driven guy that I was yeah. at the time, and uh, so. And you're the returning champ with the number one plate. Yeah. That's got to add just so much at a time when you don't need that added pressure. Yeah, I mean, again, I put it all on myself. Yeah. Um, you know, there certainly there are people that put pressure, but they didn't mean it in a negative way. Yeah. They, everyone sure. just wants to see you perform good, you know, and they see yeah. that you have potential and they want, they're like, dude, you can do it. Like you're the underdog. Like, you know, right. I'm not, you know, I was a domestique on a, on a domestic team. Right. Right. I'm not racing like, yeah, against some, world tour pros. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've raced tour of Utah against world tour pros. I right. mean, I've taken polls with world tour pros, but I am not a world tour pro, <laughs> you know, I'm not. So it's it's is, is, it, it is, is it as big a gulf as we all hear? Is it as big a gap oh, yeah. as? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's massive, man. So yeah. they're as fast as we think they are. Even for guys like you who are top tier domestic pros, they're just oh. otherworldly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're human like everybody else, but like, man, they're, when they push the pedals, you know it. So you show off BWR that year, <clears throat> and it's not it's not us and we anymore. It's Brian, with really without a team. Yeah. Against a couple of those guys we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah, right? and, and a lot of really good guys, man. Yeah. You got to remember, there was at that time and still to this day, like people are just flocking to gravel. It's such yeah. a cool vibe. I mean, the Belgian Waffle Ride's super, just a great event, right? It's we, like we it's like so many of our athletes royalty, that do it. right? It's yeah, like, it's I mean, like the event, in my opinion. Yeah, it is definitely, in my opinion, too. I mean, yeah. Unbound is fantastic, and I've been to a lot of other great events, and there's fantastic race promoters, but, I mean, I'm biased. Belgian Waffle Ride, it's the breakfast before, Yeah. right? It's yeah. like we break bread, 
then we go out and we do this crazy crucible like you're not supposed to finish right right, right. like literally the guy who puts together the race course is like i don't want you to finish and i certainly don't want you to do it fast and you and do. and you do and yeah. then you get to have like lunch yeah. afterwards and talk about all these crazy stories yeah. so it's so i'm so, partial so yeah so we're we're in black canyon right yes this was 2019 ride you're chasing king and stetna and yep. i guess collins there yep. and all the guys who are the a-list of gravel rock stars right now including yourself you get to black canyon i guess right here we're two or three miles up is that about right yeah something like that and how how far into the race was that Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I think it was about three hours, okay. something like that. So ballpark, m may have been less, two and a half hours. So I'd for have to you look guys, at my, my for you guys, that's file. you finished in what seven hours? Eight? Yes, seven hours. So that's halfway. That's seven hours. Kind of the halfway point, the out and back. Yeah. Walk me through what happened, starting at the bottom until we got to like right here-ish or wherever it happened, the moment where you got dropped. Yeah. The um, I knew it was a bad day really early on. Um, I had some trouble on Highland Valley Road, um, which is back probably about 15 miles now, and there's some really stiff lumps. Yep. Whereas in 2018, I was climbing with everybody and feeling good, which if I'm climbing good, that's that's a good thing because I'm not a climber. Yeah. Um, and I knew I was in trouble because I even over the top, I was like trying to chase on the downhills and like mm. instead of just bad sign. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it was a bad sign. I knew it wasn't good, and in fact. Um, at that time, one of the Hincappy guys came. I can't remember his name, but he was off the front at right. this point. And both Ted and Peter came to me in the race and were like, uh, are you going to chase that? Are we going to chase that? What are we going to do? And I was like, boys, I don't have it today. I was just honest with them. Like, yeah. I don't have it today. Yeah. You know. So you're, you're a couple miles up the climb. Yeah. You're, you're, I was in trouble early. You're in trouble You know early. what I mean? I was in trouble because you know, we were about group? 40. Yeah, I was with 40 guys. Yeah. And, um, you know, because we go slow after you come out of the last, I think it's um, Muir, Muir Hodges Gate. Okay. Um, uh, the last dirt sector that drops you out on Highland Valley. And so we're right. just kind of cruising. And then the group just kind of keeps getting bigger as you go through Ramona. And then you come up here and it starts getting getting after it again. This yep. is another great big selection Everybody starts component. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, I wasn't in the top 10 guys going up this thing. I was like in the middle and I was faking like, it. You like know, how? that's when you got to get this whole host of emotion because you're like, you're out of excuses. You're out of everything. Like, right. it's just grit at this point, and you can only go as hard as you can, or until somebody attacks again, which yeah. inevitably happens. And and that's the point where you lost contact with that group. Yeah, and and you can. I mean, you guys probably hear it in the mics now. Like, it's windy here, and this was yeah. a headwind race. Headwind up this. So, uh, once you're disconnected, man, it's. Uh, and this is super exposed. Yeah, it's it's good night. Yeah. It's good night. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have to choose real quickly. A lot of people punch their ticket here and. Flip it, go back home, go to the next aid station, grab okay. a beard. Oh, yeah, dude. Wow. So oh, yeah. what did you feel in that moment? Like, if you dig down deep and you reflect, what did you feel? Uh, I think anguish would probably be the way to do it because yeah. it was like a mixture of, like, pure anger and then disappointment Yeah. Uh, because I was like, I'm better than this. I can do better than this. I need. I want to show everybody that I have more than this. Yeah. And uh, I didn't, right? And so yep. that's actually, it's been really helpful for me as a, as a, as a um, as a coach, because you recognize like physiologically, like you only have as much, you only have so much to give, yeah. right? You can be willing to give it. That's one thing. Like for athletes, we have to be willing to give it all, yeah. but sometimes you just don't have enough. And I was overtrained. I was stressed. I was all these things. And those aren't excuses. Cause I, I it was me, you know? Yeah. But, uh, so where'd you end up? Oh, it's funny. So got dropped 
had a little pity part. I actually had a pretty big pity party for myself. <laughs> so Victor Sheldon, who uh, is like the lead moto yeah. here, he is just a, an awesome dude, awesome dude. And he was like, comes off the back with me and he's like, what's wrong with you? And like, like, oh, no. stop playing around, Brian. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I was like, bro, I got nothing. You know, and uh, it wasn't quite that energetic or spunky when I said it. I might not have even said anything. I might have just grunted at him. Right. But, um, yeah, that was probably the hardest part because Victor was there with me when I won. Oh, Victor was man. with the lead moto, and he was trying to convince me that I was leading. Right. And so here we have this kind of, like, dichotomy where it was, like, this massive high where Victor was like, you can win it, but you got to go all in. That yeah. was 2018. Yeah. And here we are in 2019, and he's watching the group go away, and it's this big dust cloud. Oh, and he's like... Man. Go! Like, now's the time. Like, stop waiting. Now's the time to go. And um, so, anyway, yeah, I, I, that, I think that was, like, the, the visualization of, of letting him down, everybody else down. Yeah. And, again, he's a fantastic. He, he, right. he puts no pressure on me. It was just, you know, I wanted it so bad, and I yeah. just uh, I miscalculated big time. I, I felt it, too. I, I wasn't here, but I was watching the footage, oh, yeah. and I was, yeah. I was shrugging just like he was. I was like, Brian. What are you doing? Yeah. Get up there, go, yeah, go! Like, Woo, it was go. heartbreaking because you're just such a such a great guy, and you're so so humble, and uh, you know all of your athletes speak so highly of you. And I've gotten to hang out with you and gotten to know you, and it's like ah, that my guy got dropped. That sucks. <laughs> no, so, I got dropped pretty bad, dude. That yeah. wasn't it wasn't like I was even in the fight. Like the fight hadn't even started, and right. I was just like bye bye. So, so do you still think about it, like oh, yeah. PTSD or like? Yeah, I mean PTSD is probably a little strong, a little strong. right? But, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was really traumatic for a long time um, because I, I, I uh, yeah, part of the things that I got from cycling was like it was this opportunity for me to prove that I'm good enough. Yeah. And again, to nobody else but myself, right? And right. Uh, it was like, oh, guess what? You're not. Oh, you know, and so right. there was this battle, internal battle, and you know everybody's got those things. So I don't want to, you know, pretend like my stuff is is worse than anybody else's. Right. But because um, I'm actually incredibly fortunate, I have you know loving friends, I have Amen. an incredible yeah. wife, For a sure. loving son. You know, we have a great business, and like I'm still a part of the cycling community. So it's not like anything got taken away from me. It was yep. my own uh, self belief. But anyway, uh, yeah, it was really really hard uh, for a long time. And but. We grow. We grow. We grow. We come back, you know, and that's the beauty of cycling is that if you're willing to humble yourself and try again, like if you just get back in the Peloton or just get back on the horse and ride your bike again, like there's more growth that can take place. And so, you know, I'm happy to say like I'm back and I'm training for BWR. I feel good. I've had some, you know, I've won some mountain bike races this year and feeling, feeling good on the bike. Am I competitive with the top guys? Maybe not. I mean, I'm in we'll 39 next week, so, yeah. but whatever. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of the community and, and smash. Like, I just like to ride my bike hard. It's not that, it's yeah. not that complicated, yeah. you know? Well, man, I'm, I'm rooting for you again this year and every year. Oh. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't.